Welcome to Metal Injection Squared Circle Pits. Today's special guest, a WWE superstar, Damien Priest. And now, here's your host, Rob Puspani. Thank you for tuning in to another great edition of Squared Circle Pit. It is Rob. I'm excited to be bringing you the first Squared Circle Pit of spring 2021. The weather is getting better and uh, crowds are returning to pro wrestling. Uh, I'll be talking about that. Plenty of stuff to talk about, including this past weekend's Fastlane pay-per-view, the New Japan Cup. And, uh, and a lot of more stuff going on in wrestling. It's a very busy time in wrestling. I'll get to my thoughts on the other side of this interview. And I do want to mention, if this is your first time listening to Squared Circle, but welcome. We're all about the intersection of pro wrestling and heavy metal. And please take a look at our archives, metalinjection.net slash Squared Circle Pit. Past guests include Triple H, Seth Rollins, Edge, lots of really cool guests, Eric Bischoff. Tons of wrestlers, tons of metal musicians as well, talking about pro wrestling like Corey Taylor, Maynard from Tool, Corpse Grinder from Cannibal Corpse, metalinjection.net slash squared circle pit for all the archives. Today's guest is WWE superstar Damian Priest. Really excited to talk to Damian. As I mentioned at the top of the interview, Damian is a very much a metalhead. He's a follower of Metal Injection, which is always exciting for me personally. And we had a really, really fun conversation uh, about how he got into heavy metal and how uh, it all came full circle with the person who got him into heavy metal. And uh, also just what's going on in, in his career right now, getting advice from the likes of The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and, and trying not to mark out too much around them. And we also just talk about some bands he likes and his partnership with Bad Bunny. It's a really, really fun conversation. I could talk to Damien forever. So I'm going to stop talking right now. Stick around after for some thoughts of mine on pro wrestling. But for right now, here's Damien Priest. All right. Now entering the squared circle pit. He is the rock star, I feel, of WWE. And you could see him on Raw Monday nights on the USA Network. I'm very excited to be talking to WWE superstar Damian Priest. Welcome, Damian, to the Square Circle Pit. Much appreciated, man. This is awesome. Yeah, and uh, I know you're a metal fan, and the reason I know this is because I constantly get the alerts that you're liking stories that we post on Metal Injection, so I think that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And so uh, I want to ask the question that I ask all my guests. What did you get into first? Was it heavy metal or pro wrestling? Uh, pro wrestling was first. Um, okay. But... But pro wrestling helped me become a bigger metal fan. It was funny because I'm from the Bronx, New York. So I was actually into like hip hop and rap first. And then, you know, through wrestling, I remember a buddy of mine who was a, he, he, well, he's a big metal guy, Charlie from The Silencer. He would always, he had a car, I didn't. So when we would drive, he would blast metal, you know? And I used to be like, oh, turn that rock stuff off, man. You know, I didn't like it at first. And I'd be like, all right, at least put Undertaker music on. <laughs> you know, so then, you know, he would start putting some songs that were like similar, you know, as far as the vibe and feel, like some children of Bodom and stuff like that. And little by little, I was like, okay, that's not bad. All right. And next thing you know, I'm headbanging and going crazy and going to every metal show I can. I love to hear that. I also got into metal uh, through pro wrestling. So that's very funny to hear. Uh, what, what were the bands? What were the bands, like other that you mentioned, Bodom? What were the early bands that really got you to enjoy well, it? I mean, obviously, you have the big ones, like the big four Metallica, Anthrax, you know, Megadeth, Slayer. You know, but there was also Iron Maiden and, 
and Flames. Just so many bands. And of course, Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Nirvana. But I mean, I little by little, I just started getting to everything. But obviously, I would say Metallica was probably the first major like that I was fell in love with, especially after the Black Album came out, where I was like, whoa. You know, the Enter Sandman, that's where, I mean, literally wrestling music. So, uh, and then Alice in Chains as well. So when I realized that it wasn't just uh, a bunch of people making noises and it was like, oh, wait, did, everybody has to have like a special talent in, in the group, you know, and the lyrics made sense um, and they can make you feel something and you could actually relate and you feel like, man, is this song about me? You know, like that has that feel to it because that genre is very much for us right like we're all kind of similar in that sense uh whether you know with the no matter where you're from so i feel like i identified with the music and the lyrics to a lot of the songs and it just i just fell in love with it even more and more and next thing you know that's all i listen to that's cool so uh taking a step back a little what were your earliest uh wrestling memories do you remember so i lived in puerto rico and i remember and it wasn't even like i for whatever reason i, I just wrestling wasn't my thing, but all my friends watched it. So I would sometimes watch just to kind of keep up with them. And I would ask to get the, my parents to buy me the action figures so I could play with them. Um, and I remember, but I remember the day and it's crazy because after all these bumps I've taken over the years, my memories not what it used to be, you know, there's a lot of things I don't remember, but I vividly remember uh, a scene where Undertaker stuffed the ultimate warrior in a coffin and locked it. And everybody's trying to unlock it because he can't breathe. And I remember because I showed my mom, like, look at this, because it was in two channels at the same time, one in English, one in Spanish. So I kept on switching back and forth. And then she yelled at me, like, stop changing the channel because she wanted to see what was going to happen. She's <laughs> like, pick one. So, you know, I changed the channel and I put it on all upset because that's, you know, I'm, I'm a kid. So I'm, my entertainment is just the language thing. And then I'm watching and then I started getting you know, really, really into the moment where is he going to live, you know? And it's crazy that that scene of whether Ultimate Warrior was going to live or not made me really fall into wrestling. <laughs> and <laughs> you just, you bought into it. You got into I it. Did. And it was an Undertaker's character. And it was like that idea of the superhero versus the supervillain. I was, and then I fell in love with that idea. You know, I was big into comics and, and superheroes as well. So to me, it was like, oh, wow, this is the real version. I was, and then it was like, wait, can I do this? I want to do this. <laughs> and also you were in Puerto Rico and I, I, I feel like in Puerto Rico, there was a huge wrestling scene on its own, right? Did you go to shows down there? No, I never did. My parents, like my mom, my parents had split. My mom took me to Puerto Rico. So I, she, that wasn't her thing. So she never took me. But then uh, I moved back to New York with my father and he would take me to Madison Square Garden to watch all the, at the time, WWF. Uh, but I would go to every event that they would hold in Madison Square Garden in the mid nineties, like 95, 96. I went to every single one. That's awesome. So we probably were, were at some shows together. I was like a 13 year old going to like SummerSlam and the raw, were you at the raw where Steve Austin stunned, uh, McMahon? McMahon. No, I wasn't. So I, okay. So I wasn't at that, but mm -hmm. I was like, I remember Survivor Series when Undertaker oh. came down like that. I was there for that. I was there for the curtain call, you know, and. Hall and Nash and Sean and, uh, and, and Hunter were all in the, in the cage. I was there for that. I was there for a lot of cool moments. That was a great time to be a wrestling fan in New York because I feel like everything kind of happened around the Garden or the Coliseum or like in the area. Wild. Yeah. And Hammerstein yeah. Ballroom down the block. Yeah. Wild. 
Right, right. And ECW was and ECW was all like Northeast, like New York, Philly. Yep. It was really, really a really great time to be a wrestling fan. I, I have very fond memories of that that time myself. Absolutely. I, I feel like I was born too late. Like I should have been in that era. <laughs> <laughs> like what which would you have wanted to be WWF or would you be an ECW guy? Like who who were your fantasy feuds? Uh, who would you have feuded with at the time? This company has always been always been my thing. You know, I remember of course, I knew of ECW, but I didn't really know much of it till they did uh, the angle where they had them come into Raw. And what made me a fan of ECW was literally Raven coming out and doing his pose, dressed the way he was. And I was like, he's one of us. We got to watch this show. <laughs> and that was it. Me and my friends immediately started watching ECW. And then and then when we saw that Sandman would come out there to Sandman and Dreamer would come out to Man in the Box. We were like, where has this been all this time? But it was us. We just didn't know enough um, because we were so, you know, fanatics of WWF that we didn't think anything of it. And then, oh, this, look at this guy. Look at these guys. This is right up our alley. This is us <laughs> just on TV. Yeah. Yeah. ECW had a lot to do with me personally getting into more like uh, underground metal bands, so to speak, just from uh, all that. Yeah, that makes sense. Same. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, so when did you start thinking like, you know what, I think I'm going to do this. I think I'm going to, I'm going to start to be a wrestler. When, when did the bug hit you? So, uh, I mean, in high school, you know, me and my friends would joke around, like this would be the dream, right? And, you know, me and my best friend, uh, we would always talk about, you know, like, this is what we're going to do for a living. And, you know, he's from the silencer. He was like, well, I'll play you to the ring one day, you know? And that was like the coolness that we had. I'd wrestle, he'd play me to the ring. Uh, and, you know, I was into martial arts, so I was doing, you know, fighting first. But that was before UFC was really a thing. You know, it was in its infancy. So most people weren't even into MMA or anything like that. It was too brutal. So I didn't see a future in that. And I was like in limbo. I didn't know what to do. And then finally, you know, let's do this wrestling thing. And I went to a school and everything. And cool enough, at uh, Halloween Havoc um, last year, he did play me to the ring. Oh, that, that, was, that was your buddy? I was wondering yeah. who that one was who played you in. Yeah, yeah, he played me to the ring, so that was kind of cool. Like, come full circle. Oh, that's awesome! That was a cool little moment. And you trained at the Monster Factory, which which seemed like to uh, output like a lot of a lot of guys made it through there and ended up like doing something. You know, was it was, was it a good training experience for you? So at first, no. <laughs> oh, okay. So when I first started, it was completely different. It was owned by a different person, um, and he had gotten uh, he wasn't doing well physically or you know, just health wise. So he had other people run the school for him. And I mean, we train in small boxing rings that, so basically it has no give. It's like landing on the ground just with like a thin mat. Uh, so that's brutal for our bodies because we need a little give because, you know, boxing rings are, are, they're hard so that there's no give because they need balance. Ours is the opposite. You want us to not, you know, kill our bodies, you know, by every time we land. So it has a little give. This one did not. So that was really hard on my body at first. So anybody who's ever trained in those will tell you the same story. Like, it's horrible. You know, so and it, it is what it is. Times have changed. But now the school is completely different with this new owner and everything. It's run very professionally. But, yeah, so my first experiences were, you know, iffy. I kind of left and then came back once things started to change. But overall, the Monster Factory, yeah, it's still it's crazy how many people have come from there or, or at least passed through there, you know, from King Kong right. Bundy to Raven to Godfather myself riddle and you know there's just a lot of people that have come and gone through that place through that name monster factory you know whether whoever was running at the time didn't matter it was just one of those that 
somehow people got noticed from that. Yeah. And you were working your way on the indie scene and you were, you were hustling on there and was WWE always your end game or was there a point where you were just like, I'm content with, with what I have now. So man, when I, I wrestled for so many years, you know, like small indies and stuff, not knowing how to make it basically, but that was the go. That was the end game was WWE. And then as I got older and I changed my mindset where I changed who I surrounded myself with because I was surrounded by a lot of negative people and basically the ones telling you what you want to hear. Yeah, you're doing great. You're going to be a big star. What I needed to hear the opposite and I needed to be around positive people. And then I just one day I was I used to run a club in Atlantic City and the owners of the club basically put it out to me like, hey, uh, stop doing that wrestling thing and we'll give you a promotion. So you could be here more often. And I, I don't know that day. And it was a great gig, great money. And I was just like, you have my two weeks notice. But then after I said that, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> now I really got to give it my all. You know, I was out of shape. I didn't train. I, I just coasted. And but then that day forward, I was like, well, now I have to do this. And in about, a, about I'll say about a 12 month span, I lost over 100 pounds. I uh, got in shape. And then leaving that Atlantic City and just that party scene atmosphere, I started to surround myself with positive people and then one door opened and then another and another. And even if things didn't work out, I wasn't like miserable. I wasn't like, well, the hell with that place or whatever. It was just, okay, I'll just keep working harder and other stuff. You know, I can still find happiness and other stuff. So then it be didn't become the end goal, uh, you know, the end game. And it wasn't the ultimate goal. It was just the goal became just live happy, you know, just live positive and do what I like to do. And, you know, as long as I'm happy, who cares? That's, that's winning. But crazy enough, and I never believed in that idea of power and positivity and anything. So I lived it and I realized it worked. And I'm like living proof of it. And I was like, oh my God, this is a real thing. You know, I had a tryout with WWE in 2014, I believe. And at the time that they, they liked me, they all said, you're a yes for the company that you're the type of guy we would want to hire, but there's just nothing for you right now. And then I said, okay. And then I spoke to one of the scouts and, and coaches and he was like, Go make a bigger name for yourself. He goes, make it, un make yourself undeniable to the company. I said, okay. And then I, that's what I did. I started making a bigger name for myself. And then I con contacted the company a year after that. And again, it was like, there's nothing for you now. And then I kind of wrote it off as far as I'll probably never work there, but it's okay. I'm okay with that. And I'm not going to stop working as hard as I am. I'll continue working hard and keep improving and just having fun and enjoying what I love doing. And then a year later, they called me, which is crazy. They're like, hey, would you be interested? And I'm like, of course I'm interested. <laughs> you know, my contract, I came up. I was working with Ring of Honor at the time. My contract was up. And they called me at, like, per like literally perfect time. Uh, and I, they, I, they were like, is, hey, are you under contract? And I was like, yeah, till the end of the month. They're like, this month? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, oh, oh, would you mind if we give you a call then? And I was like, no, okay. And then that's what they did. They called me right at, like, the same day. They called me. And we made it work. It's crazy. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think that's the right attitude to have. And also like when, when you weren't getting the call from them, you were, you realized like, well, what I have now is pretty great too. And so yeah. what, what I was, so I'm assuming it was, it was more of a, a kind of a part-time thing I would say. So like, what else were you doing to kind of like, what was your backup plan? If you don't mind me asking. <laughs> <laughs> so basically continue doing what I was doing, just working bars and clubs, you know, like if I'm not doing this, I, I enjoyed that atmosphere. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I still do. I, I, I enjoyed bartending. I enjoyed running clubs. And, you know, I was a mixologist. So I would, I would literally write original drink menus for restaurants so that they could put on their menus as original drinks. I enjoyed that, all that stuff. 
yeah, if it wasn't this, I'd probably be owning my own like lounge or club type of scenario. Um, cause just cause I, I love that atmosphere. Okay. Oh, that's cool. So you get to NXT and it, it almost seems like a bit of a reset cause you have to go through, uh, I'm assuming some of their performance center stuff and you have over a decade of experience now. Was it a little bit of a, like, like a hard pill to swallow or were you just so excited to be there? You're like, whatever you need me to do. <laughs> so it, had it been years before, I probably would have acted very immature and angry. And it's funny how even though I, with more experience, Outside experience, I, ha- I was more willing to kind of push that aside. Uh, no, I knew there was going to be a learning curve. But I knew that. And I was so okay with it. I, I, I Maybe my mind is just in a different place uh, at this point. And I didn't mind. I was like, yeah, I'm willing. To- There's a reason why this is the number one company. So I'm willing to change as for the betterment of myself, the, my career, the company, for everything involved. You know, you're the ones giving me the opportunity. You're the ones give me that paycheck. So why would I not want to do what you want me to do? So for me, I came in with that attitude and being someone who also helped coach others and help train people at or help train at the monster factory. Um, so coming in there, I, I had that mentality of it's, you're always learning. So it's okay. You know? And yeah, it was great. And it, it was a quick process with me, obviously because I've been around for a minute. So it was a little easier with the coaches and my willingness to adapt to change. It made my transition actually way easier. The coaches were like, yeah, okay, so moving on. Let's do this. And they were like, okay, so we'll have you just sit in and, you know, we'll focus on these things with you because you're good here. It was just the process was a lot easier than it is probably for a lot because, again, that comes because of the experience. Maturity obviously plays into it. I, I don't know. I guess my desire to just – I was willing to – I was more than willing to change. I wanted to change in a way, you know, so I, and I was excited about it. So it worked out great. And tell me about the the Damien Priest character. How did you land on the name? And and uh, I, I mean, from the moment you debuted, I was I was so into it, and and it def- definitely had a metal edge to it. So what was the what was the process like for that? So and, and piggybacking off what I was just saying with like everything working out great and easy. Also, it's really easy when you're surrounding yourself by people like Matt Bloom, Scotty Tuhari, you know, Norman Smiley. Robbie Brookside, you know, these guys, Rodog, and then icing on the cake, people like Shawn Michaels, Triple H. Little easier when those are the guys explaining stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then when I was talking to Hunter uh, about what we, you know, which direction, he was like, "Look, we can keep you as is, you know, who you are and what you've done." He goes, "But I see more in you." And I straight out told them, "I was like, I don't want to do what I've been." I was like, "Because I've been doing that long enough. There's a reason why I didn't make it." in a bigger stage to now. I was like, so I'm willing to change. You know, he was like, and then, you know, just through conversations, he was like, I see this, like this, the person I'm talking to, he was like, you're cool. He was like, he was like, you seem like a likable person. Like I get along with you. This is what I would do this on TV. Just be you. And then, okay. And then as far as the name goes, I gave him a list of stuff. So Damien, it's statement goes back to before when, uh, when I was born, my mom wanted to name me Damien. And my dad was like, we're not naming him after the son of the devil. <laughs> so, because <laughs> that's around when the omen came out. And, uh, so that was that. So I couldn't use Damien, but I always liked the name Damien. So I would use Damien and other stuff that I could to call myself. And I even used it in the Indies for a little bit in Ring of Honor. I was Damien. So he liked the name Damien. He was like, I know you use it because I, I like that. I was like, perfect. That's great. And then for a last name, I was like, you know, my first ever theme song was by Judas Priest. So he was like, priest, 
You know, so Hunter was the one that suggested Priest, Damien Priest. So it makes sense. Number one, both names are meaningful to me. And then it's also the opposites of Damien with Priest. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's a very rock star name. Like, okay, well, how do you want to rep- you know, present yourself? And I was like, well, I'm thinking this, this. And then he was in agreement. And then we ultimately were like, but what type of rock star is it just, we don't want to just say it. And I remember him asking me, he goes, have you seen The Dirt? <laughs> and I was like, only like seven times. <laughs> I knew one of just came out. I, think. I had watched that movie so many times. So yeah, I loved it. I loved the idea. I love that. Because I really do love the rock star lifestyle idea. That rebel doing things your way, living life to the fullest and success on your own terms. Uh, I just, that's, I, that's, love it. So then he was like, that's what I want. He was skip the sad and troublesome scenes, but uh, <laughs> everything else that represents a rock star, like just the, their look and swag, he goes, that's what I want. And I was like, this is going to be so cool. And yeah, then, okay. it was cool that you have a Triple H in your corner to like amplify this character. Like you're in a hot tub with babes right after you win the North American title. It, it, like he understands the character and that's the most important part. Exactly. And he, he's helped guide me so much. And again, going back to the be yourself thing. And I remember I was still struggling, even at first with Damien Priest. Like I was still very much doing this, you know, brooding kind of character. I was trying to find a balance and he would keep telling me, he was like, you're, you're, you're not being yourself. And I was like, well, I don't understand how I might not be, I know who I am. Like I'm me. <laughs> so how can I not be me? But then, it, I don't know, one day it clicked where it was like, oh, no, I'm pretending to be a version of what I think others think I am. Like, I'm not actually being myself. And then uh, I know when it was. It was uh, uh, in your house, uh, takeover in your house against my match against the ballot. Uh, it just, that day it clicked. I don't know why. And then afterwards, he was like, from now on, that's who I, I want to see every single time. And Shawn Michaels was like, that's the guy I've been looking for. They were the first two that came right up to me. Just to tell me that, and and they like they complimented the match after, but to them they were, it was so much more important that I figured out who I was and how to be me. Uh, and then I haven't turned back since. And then yeah, all the other stuff, the party scene, the hot tub, that's that all came from me. And then Triple H just helped make it way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. Do you ever like you got to be professional? But are you ever there talking to Triple H and Shawn Michaels and, and being like, I was in the stands at the at the you know the curtain call. Like you guys are my heroes, and now like like we're we're colleagues. You know, like they, they're your boss. <laughs> There's so many times that they'll be speaking to me, and I'll be like, Wait, can you repeat that? I wasn't paying attention because I was just mesmerized by the fact that you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it still happens. Like I. I'm so grateful that that fan side is still there and I haven't lost it um, just because it's, it's by far the coolest part of the game. You know, people talk about, you know, fame, fortune, all this stuff. I'm like, no, the relationships that I've made here, the, the people that I work with and I get to, the brains I get to pick, uh, it's definitely the coolest part of my job. You know, every time I get to be around them. The other day I stopped by NXT and Sean saw me, he went and gave me a hug. I was proud. I was like, Sean Michaels is hugging you know what i mean like it doesn't get old man it's so cool yes i go through that it's a struggle every time i speak to them scott hall and Undertaker came in one time and i had to meet them and like keith lee and i are both buddies so he would just be around me just so he could roast me by my reactions uh you know where i, I slur my words and i can't even speak and i'm tripping over stuff and and he just sits there and just laughs at me and then makes fun of me to everybody else later. So, <laughs> you know, 
friends before, you know. <laughs> I was going to ask about that because I saw in the Undertaker documentary, like like you're in it for a second because he came in and he gave you guys advice, the big guys' advice. So, what was some of the stuff that Undertaker told you that you took to heart? It, it was cool. So, like he sat in, he watched some of our matches back, you know, and critiqued them, you know, as they played, and it was just just giving advice of how to, you know, and not so much like wrestling, which is the same thing with Sean and Hunter and all the coaches. They're not. They never like said, "Hey, do this move like this." You know, it was more like how do you, how do you carry yourself and how to structure things and just because how to become the biggest star you can be with what you got. Like it's stuff that is, I mean, it's worth so much more. You know, That's uh, cool. and, and the way they articulate it, it, it's so good. Like, man, I I consider myself somebody who who's good at has a good wrestling mind. Like I'm good at this business. I understand it. I can explain it to people. I can coach people. I, I help train riddle, you know, like, but these guys say it and I'm like looking at them like, man, you're really good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like really good. <laughs> you know, cause it blows my mind how like they could say things. And it's like, they put things in perspective. Like I can't believe I never thought about it that way. Or I can't believe I never even that, that, that idea never even popped in my head. Like, wow. Thank you. You know, so yeah, that was some of the stuff. And then what wasn't on it, we actually got to work out in the ring a little bit with Undertaker. Oh, wow. and man, he put on the gloves and everything, and I was like, oh no, he's gonna beat us up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I actually got to lock, you know, throw some blows with him. And I remember he was showing somebody something, and he threw a punch, and he was just explaining something, so he wasn't actually trying to hit me, but he threw it full speed, and it touched my face, and he pulled back. I mean, just before he broke my nose, and I, I was like. And I looked around and I was like, man, that was awesome. Do it again. <laughs> so cool. Again, the fan in me couldn't help it. I was like, no, no, but guy, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. And Scott Hall, I feel like for your character, Scott Hall is the perfect person to talk to because he he oozed machismo. He oozed coolness. So I, and, and he was also a big guy. So I imagine he gave you some great advice as well. I definitely picked his brain, you know. And I learned some stuff. Like, you know how when you come out and do that walk. You know, he, I asked him, I was like, can I use that? He, and then he goes, the surfer walk. I was like, surfer, it has a name. He's like, yeah, cause you're climbing on a surf, surfboard. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then he, he was like, you know why I did that? I was like, no, it's cool as hell though. He was like, because I was the bad guy and I didn't want anybody to touch me. So I would walk like that sideways so they couldn't reach me. And I was like, oh my God, little things. And then, so I kind of, I do a little modified version. I don't do it exactly the way you did it, but he was like, yeah, you can do that. And then the racer said the same thing. He was all good about it. Then he saw me do it. And the first reaction was, that's as high as you can pick him up. <laughs> he roasted me again in front of Keith Lee, who again roasted me right after. Uh, <laughs> but it was, you know, and I, I made sure from there on out to make sure to do it exactly the way he did it. <laughs> so like he wouldn't say it. Then I, then I did it again in another match. And he came right up to me. He was like, that was a good one. <laughs> you know, so that was cool. That's awesome. And now you're yeah. on the main roster. You're on Raw. And what a debut. Like, I don't think anybody could ask for a better debut than being paired with one of the hottest musicians in the world right now with Bad Bunny. What's it been like uh, to work with him? He seems like a legit big-time wrestling fan. He knows what he's talking about. How has it been uh, working with Bad Bunny? So it seems like that because it is like that. Um, he is He's one of those that he's grateful to be there. Like, he's not just coming in to promote something. He wants to be here. So, and it shows, and he's a fan. He's, he loves it. He loves the respect aspect of it, where he asks all the right questions. He treats everybody accordingly. Like, everybody has, like, he has no heat with anybody, put it that way. Like, everybody's like, 
this is actually a good dude, you know, like he's doing everything the right way. And one once he doesn't want to come in here and be disliked because he's a fan. Like he came in, he knew all my moves and stuff. And he was like, yo, you, you still do this, you know, like this move and that move. And I was like, you know what I do, <laughs> you know? And he's like, yeah, I've been watching you at NXT. He knew me from before NXT. Like it's crazy. And we met before the Royal Rumble and we hit it off became friends like he did. You know, and I think it's, and people ask like, how does that make sense? Because you're the rock guy and he does, you know, a different genre. Like it doesn't mix. And I'm like, well, it does because we have the same mindset. You know, whereas like I was talking about that rock star lifestyle, which is, you know, living how you want, when you want for you and then being successful on your terms, not on everybody else's. And he's exactly like that. That is his mindset. He's not supposed to be as successful as he is, but he figured out a way somehow, you know, just because he just wouldn't accept that he has to do things a certain way. He has to dress a certain way. He has to speak a certain way. He was like, no, absolutely not. He goes, I'm going to be me. He goes, because I'm doing this for me anyway. And I just, to me, I was like, that makes perfect sense. That's why, because it has to start with you. And then you, people will feed off of that because it's real, you know? And, and I think when you gain fans that way, it's that much more special because they actually relate to you. And they're not just a fan because they think the idea of you is cool. It's because you are, you know, I just think that's way more important. So it's so far, so, so, so good with him. And it's, he's, he's making it a pleasure for me too, because I'm going in, being the new kid in school, not the easiest thing, you know? But with him, at least I have a buddy to kind of run around with and laugh. And then his enjoyment, actually, it legit makes me happy, you know, like, uh, and I'm like, that's, that's cool to see, you know, and uh, like, we're both enjoying our time. Yeah, maybe maybe a tag team match is in your future with, with you and Bad Bunny. You could show him some moves. <laughs> yeah, so that, of course, gets brought up. And I always say the same thing, like, if he figured out a way to be successful in the business he's in now, and he's that, like, that type of determined personality... I guarantee he'd figure out a way to make it work if he would. That's what he wanted to do. I believe it. Well, uh, before we wrap up, I just want to ask a few more things about music. What are you listening to right now? What's in your rotation? So, like, for instance, if I go to a gym, I'll just put on a certain band and then radio. So, like, Trivium, Killswitch Engage, In Flames. Those are, like, the main ones that I normally like to pump me up. Metallica's always there. Megadeth's always there. You know, like, there's certain bands that I can listen to all the time, regardless, Ozzy and you know, the, those bands, I could listen to all the time anyway, but then other bands, like, especially like the newer, harder ones, you know, obviously Slipknot's there. And I say newer compared to Metallica and them, they're not new anymore, you know, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like Killswitch has been around for almost 20 years or no, over 20 years. So it's like, it's crazy to think that they're like, they've been around that long. Cause to me, it, I just feel like they're a new band, but they're not, they're actually old school now, you know, which is crazy. Right. Trivium too, which is kind of crazy to think about. <laughs> That's exactly. Especially Trivium. I feel like they're a brand new band, but they're not, they've been around for many years, you know, but especially mainstream uh, since they're not there, I guess maybe that's why, you know, like you don't hear them on, you know, whatever playlist that, you know, that most clubs or whatever, or even bars play, you know, it has to be something that like I'll put on a jukebox and everybody kind of turned their heads and then I'll be like, say something. Everybody's like, nope, never mind. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then, but it's cool because you do that. But then there are the few that come up and be like, that's so cool that you played this, you know? And yeah. they're always like, and I was like, well, you could have played it too. Stop being a poser. <laughs> you know, like what you like and be proud of it. But yeah, just, those are the main bands, like especially Trivium. I, I feel like, oh, Soil Work always, like that's another one of the bands that I can listen to nonstop all the time. There's certain bands that are just, their music always, no matter what mood I'm in, they put me in the right mood. 
Yeah, I agree. And I feel like you mentioned Flames, like Clayman to me is like one of the best well, records ever made. You know, I can listen to that. I listened to that like last week and I was like, oh my God, still as good as the first time I heard it. Man, so my buddy Charlie, like in his old band, he, they opened for In Flames before In Flames was, you know, the big act that they are. I think at Lemoore's in Brooklyn, back when that was still a thing. Ah, R.I.P. <laughs> yeah. So I, I went there and I saw them. I think it was them and Earth Crisis. So it was arbitrary Earth Crisis and Flames. It was crazy. I was a teenager. I, I think I may have fainted or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So now... If we were to take the world of rock and wrestling and collide now, if you could have any metal legend be your tag team partner, who do you think would would, would stack up in the wrestling world from the metal world? Obviously, prime-wise, we're talking here, Ozzy. It's got to be Ozzy. Yeah. It's got to be Ozzy. <laughs> right. He was a madman. Like That guy would do anything. So it's like, yeah, yeah I'll take the guy who was willing to do anything, literally, <laughs> to beat you. Yeah, and he could take all the punishment. He would never give up. And he would be laughing about it, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he'd, he'd, be, he'd be totally like a mankind. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Damien, thank you so much for your time. This has been such an enlightening interview, and, and I feel very motivated now. And I love the the positive energy. It's kind of a very similar energy to what I had with Metal Injection. It's something we started by ourselves, and nobody gave us a break. And it was we. I had a moment where I was like, I just got to do it myself. Got to make it happen. And, and, and here yeah. we are. <laughs> there you go that's the way to do it man and just yeah there you go staying positive and just working for what you want for you because our dreams are for us not for everybody else so we got to work for them. awesome catch damien on raw monday nights on the usa network wwe superstar damien priest thank you so much my pleasure thank you very very cool to talk to damien and the guy's star potential is just gonna get bigger and bigger and i have a pretty good feeling that in about three weeks, he's going to be teaming with Bad Bunny at WrestleMania. The rumor is it's going to be the two of them versus Miz and Morrison. You know, I'm recording this before Raw, so maybe by the time Raw airs, I could be either proven correct or incorrect. But I think I think I will be correct there. And I have to say, I'm very, very impressed with how Bad Bunny constantly makes television. He's always there every Monday, uh, no matter what. He was on SNL Saturday. Monday's back you know, back there at WWE. He was at the Grammys on last Sunday and then right back in Tampa the following Monday for Ross. So Bad Bunny is really, really committed to WWE. And lots of stuff going on in WWE right now. Fastlane was last night. It was a mixed bag for me. I really, really liked the main event. I loved Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns. I thought that was a great main event and it really, I did not expect Bryan to look so good and uh, the rumor is now that it's going to be a triple threat with Edge, Brian, and Roman Reigns. So it should be interesting where that goes. And I think that'll be really, really fun. And in general, I'm, I'm hesitantly excited that there's going to be a crowd at WrestleMania. I hope it's safe. I hope uh, precaution, you know, all the precautions are taken. And uh, you know, putting that aside, though, it'll be fun to finally have a crowd for a WWE show. Legit fans. You know, AEW has had crowds. Uh, at Daly's Place, not quite 25,000 people. They've had about 1,000, and it's really added to the shows. So it'll be interesting to see how WWE does. Other matches at Fastlane, let's go through it. So the pre-show match was Riddle against Mustafa Ali. I actually thought the match was way better than expected. Riddle won, and uh, I guess I'm glad the Retribution and Ali are kind of breaking up. I don't think it was really working. Hopefully, it'd be great if Retribution just... They repackage all of them, but hopefully they give those guys something because 
They're all really, really good wrestlers, and I'd love to see them have a chance. Nia Jackson, Shayna versus Sasha and Bianca Belair. This felt like just a, a, a whole, just an excuse to have an angle, and it was a good angle. I'm, I'm looking forward to Sasha versus Bianca at the pay per view, and I'm glad that Nia and Shayna are going in as champions, and they're going to have a spot at WrestleMania. Braun Strowman defeating Elias. I could not care less about this Braun versus Shane McMahon feud. I'm going to be completely honest, and I kind of skipped through this. Uh, part Biggie uh, versus Apollo. I thought this would be better, but I guess they're kind of saving it for WrestleMania, and I really want to see these two kind of really get 20 minutes and, and have a good match. Uh, Seth Rollins defeating Nakamura. It was a good match. I, I wish it was a little longer, but still a, a very fun match, and it's fun to see uh, Nakamura and Rollins uh, be motivated and have a good match. McIntyre defeating Sheamus. They, they worked hard. <laughs> it was an insane match. They beat the hell out of each other. Uh, but for me personally, I'm not like this feud isn't really doing it for me. I'm glad Drew's moving on to his main feud with Lashley. Alexa defeats Randy Orton. This was ridiculous. I thought the feud looked cool, but this whole storyline is just not really for me. I, I completely fast forward through it when I watch Raw. And uh, of course, uh, Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan. I thought that was great. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the three-way. I thought Edge looked really good on SmackDown in his first singles match back. That should be a good match. True versus Lashley should be a really, really fun match. Sasha versus Bianca should be really good. It'll be interesting to see if it, it'll be Oscar uh, versus Charlotte. I'm sure we'll find out tonight. I feel like this week is when WWE is going to finalize the whole card because they really need the two weeks to promote it at this point. So I feel things are going to be moving much faster and we'll see what's going on there. New Japan also had a really big weekend. They had the finals of their New Japan Cup. And the match was amazing. You don't even really need the backstory. Just to you know Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi was a really, really good match. The thing is, I was not too crazy about what was going on. I, was, I wasn't too crazy about what was going on after the match with Will Ospreay kind of trying to get over that he cares more about the world championship than his girlfriend. And it's like, okay. But then he stunned his girlfriend. He gave her an os cutter. And... It, it, it just that it really took me out of it. I got so confused. I'm like, what's happening? And it's like that type of confusion that it totally takes you out of the angle. And you're just like, this is weird. So I, I think they could have done without it. But with that said, I'm very much looking forward to Ibushi versus Osprey. I believe that's in two weeks. And uh, that's going to be a ridiculous match. They always have insane matches. And uh, it'll be a good moment to jump into New Japan. If you're, if you're looking to, for a moment to jump in, this main event will be bonkers. Uh, on the AEW front, things are moving along. They've kind of had a, feels like a total storyline reset last week with uh, the launch of MJF's new faction. And uh, I dig the faction. I'm, I'm not too crazy about the name of the faction to the point that the pinnacle. I was like, what was the name of it? <laughs> I almost forgot. The pinnacle. Eh, it's all right. Not too crazy about the name, but the people in it look good. Uh, storylines look good. I thought Britt Baker had a, a ridiculous incredible match with Thunder Rosa. The blood kind of almost took me out of it. I kind of wish they didn't do as much of the deathmatch stuff, but they worked really, really hard, and it was great to see. And it was great to see Jade as well. Uh, in general, I think AEW is really doing pretty well uh, for the most part with their storylines. So uh, I look forward to tuning in every week. And WWE is really ramping up now with WrestleMania week coming up in about three weeks. So it should be a really, really fun time right now to be a pro wrestling fan. 
And who knows, maybe even this summer, shows will start coming back and we might actually be able to attend wrestling events, bearing, of course, <laughs> wider vaccine distribution and you know plenty of other things out of pro wrestling's control. But things are happening. The 2021 is an interesting year for pro wrestling. It's an interesting year for heavy metal as well. And thank you for tuning in and hearing me rant and rave and ramble on about my thoughts about pro wrestling and hearing me hang out with some cool pro wrestlers i'll be back in about two weeks with another episode of squared circle pit i hope you could tune in till then i'll see you in the pit the virtual pit